The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. It might seem sudden, but I have been wrestling with it, albeit with oscillating levels of intensity for some weeks. Essentially, I've been trying to answer two questions. Is carrying on right for me? And more importantly, is me carrying on right for the country, for my party and for the independence cause I have devoted my life to? Yeah, Nicola Sturgeon earlier today announcing she is to resign as the First Minister of Scotland. The LBC presenter Sheila Fogarty is with me. Sheila, always good to talk to you. Um, I mean, I know you've been talking about this on your own show uh, this afternoon. By all accounts, some members of our own party caught on the hop. Uh, any, everyone I spoke to, including members of our own party and, and, and voters and, and SNP party members generally, um, all caught on the hop. None of them expected this. I mean, they knew that there were disagreements and difficulties on some levels about some issues in the in the SNP. They knew that she'd had that uh, recent, arguably weakening run-in with Rishi Sunak. Um, uh, but I don't think anybody expected this at this point, no. And certainly nobody I spoke to today. So we heard a little clip there of what she had to say. Well, what reasons did Nicola Sturgeon give for the resignation? Well, it's interesting. She went very broad, I thought, in her in her reasons. And, she, and, and none of them, felt, well, some of them felt very personal. She talked about um, the degree of... Uh, the one hundred percent energy she felt you have to give that role to do it right and to do it justice, and she no longer felt that she had that you know as time went on. Uh, she also spoke very personally about family as well and how she hadn't um i think most of us know that jobs like senior politicians and government leaders i mean it has a massive impact on their family life as well. She touched on that too um but she went broader rather than specific and 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 when asked about for example whether the gender recognition reform bill and sunak's response to it had been the final straw for her, she said a very firm no to that it wasn't one thing it wasn't rec- mm. a, a recent thing particularly it had been a gradual uh, development in her thinking about when was the right time to go. Uh, so for people here who maybe didn't follow that story in great detail, what what, what was the issue with that Gender Recognition Act? Well, the, the reality in the Scottish Parliament was that each of the political parties, not just the SNP, um, had disagreements about that bill, about the elements of that bill, and they wanted amendments, some of which were passed, some of which weren't. Um, but Nicola Sturgeon was so personally uh, in favour of it, that that sometimes uh, set her on a trajectory of being very heavily criticised by any number of groups, both inside the Scottish Parliament and outside the Scottish Parliament. Um, her, her position that trans women are women, full stop, no arguments, no discussion, no difficulties, um, was very heavily challenged, both within her party and around it. But anyway, it went through, as was expected, because there was broad support for it in the Parliament. And that's when the Westminster veto uh, called um, Section 35 was was called by uh, Rishi Sunak, which stopped it in its tracks recently. I mean, she expressed her fury about that and Clearly, that would have brought the question of Scottish independence into full view um, in, in people's minds. Well, was there a sense, like regardless of the, the the trans debate, was there just a sense that Rishi Sunak's intervention had undermined her somewhat? Yeah, yeah, there was definitely. I mean, and again, you know, people who who I spoke to about that issue today were saying there's too much focus on it. That is not what has caused today. It's not what she's been about. It's not what the SNP was about. Um, 
But the reality is, politically, I think it bruised her. A subsequent interview she did with ITV News, where she was asked about it, she did. She did. Her own arguments came up against, or her own logic, in a sense, came up against some hard realities, and she didn't really handle that interview particularly well. That's just one matter, though. And yeah. and, and I think it's really important to say that both on my program and more broadly today in terms of political response, there was a heck of a lot of praise for Nicola Sturgeon's political skill, her communication skill, her popularity as a leader even now, when she's arguably by her standards in a bit of trouble, Rishi Sunak would kill for, you know. <laughs> um, so she's, you know, she she is an impressive politician, no doubt. And I have to say from the position of a journalist who's interviewed her on a number of times, she she was she was a joy to interview because she really lets a conversation happen. And, you know, there are others uh, who do that, um, but plenty who don't these days in mm. politics. I'm sure you experience the same in Ireland. It's just, she, for, she would she would give you a conversation. She would argue the, the, the toss with you. She would shake your hand at the end of the interview. You know, she was, she was a very, very strong, is a very strong politician. Well, John Nicholson is with us as well, uh, the SNP's Shadow Culture Secretary. John, uh, you're welcome to the show. I mean, are, are you in Thank this you. category of people who are caught on the hop by today's resignation? Yes, I was. I think we all are. Uh, I don't think anybody expected it. After the New Zealand uh, Prime Minister resigned, and I think many comparisons are made between the two, uh, people inevitably asked her, was there fuel left in the tank? And she said, yes, there's plenty of fuel left in the tank. But I thought her resignation statement was um, typically graceful um, and elegant and thoughtful. Um, But there were little human insights weren't there, where she just talked about the pressures of being that high profile as a political leader, unable to go for a walk on your own, not able to sit down and have a coffee. And she also touched, she didn't linger on it, but she touched about some of the unpleasant aspects of being a high profile political leader with an international profile, but also domestic opponents who just won't allow um, an intelligent, informed debate about some issues, like, for example, the Gender Recognition Act that we've just been discussing. But from from an Irish perspective, uh, two thoughts uh, come to mind. Firstly, uh, you've already passed this uh, Gender Recognition Act. And to the best of my knowledge, you don't have heterosexual men falsely claiming to be trans and rampaging through women's facilities in the way that Nicola Sturgeon's opponents have said will happen with this legislation. And secondly, as an Irish person, can you imagine how outraged you would be if the Doyle passed a bit of legislation with a two-thirds majority and then Ricky Sunak came along and said, I'm sorry, Irish people, but you know, you can't be allowed to make your own laws We'll decide for you. Well, well, now, John, that has led us nicely to the question of independence. So, I mean, she was synonymous with it. Um, uh, she was the face of Scottish independence. Where does Scottish independence and the fight for independence find itself today? Well, the answer to the question is, is kind of 50-50, I suppose, which for someone of my age, I'm in the prime of middle youth. Uh, when I was a, a kid, the thought that we'd be this close would have seemed a, a remarkable, almost impossible dream for me. But I think if you break down into the figures, what's interesting is that the only group that now oppose Scottish independence are the over 65s. Amongst the under 40s, uh, there are huge levels of support for, for independence and for Scotland getting back into the European Union. I would not like to be a unionist 
looking at the breakdown of those figures uh, as far as the political future of Scotland is concerned. If you want Scotland mm. to stay inside the United Kingdom, you're looking at a at a very old demographic who are your core support. Because that's some of the other speculation today as well, John, is uh, that people suspect that, you know, Nicola Sturgeon herself, that she is so passionate about independence that maybe she looked at it and she felt, you know what, the longer you go in politics, the more complicated, you know, your legacy is, the more complicated opinions get about you, the more divisive a figure possibly become. Now, look, as as, as Sheila says, uh, you know, she maybe had not reached that point yet. She's a level of popularity Rishi Sunak would love. But still, maybe she felt that it would be better for the quest for independence were someone else to lead that fight in the near future. Is that is that a, a, she, a fair assessment? I think she said well, I think she said that herself explicitly, and she must have looked at other political leaders who've been forced out or who have retired not at the time of their choosing. Um, she's got figures which show that she's the most popular political leader in these islands, and her party is 20 points ahead of its nearest rival. Um, after eight years as First Minister, that's pretty impressive. And she obviously decided that this would be a good time to step back from uh, the role when, when you know, she still remains so popular. And, you know, as she said herself, I'm human. Uh, she must be exhausted. She's fought eight elections in eight years and won all of them. Who could grudge her now a chance to have a bit of peace and quiet? John, a pleasure. Thanks a million for joining us. John Nicholson is the SNP's Shadow Culture Secretary. We also spoke to Sheila Fogarty, the LBC presenter. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.